0: Well, good morning to everybody. My name is Stuart Mazell. I'm pastor here. It's great to see all of you here in person. And thank you to all of you who are joining us online. We, uh, we took a little break last week to have John Stodgehill preach, and very thankful for him and his ministry. Uh, today we're returning to our sermon series that we've entitled Overflow. And the idea is that we as Christians, we as people, we need to be filled in order to overflow to others, that the goodness that God has, that He pours into our lives, it can be poured back out to other people. And uh, today we're going to be seeing that in a specific way. Paul's already given it away in the area of love. So we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. And this is what God's Word says there. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Let me pray for us. Lord, I confess that... As much as I would like to say that your love has been perfected in me, it's it's just not true. But I want it to be. And I want it to be true for all of these folks that your love is perfected in our hearts, in our lives. That we really would know and experience your love on such a level that it overflows into the world around us, and that we love all one another well, and we love this community well, and of course, Lord, that we love you more than anything. So Holy Spirit, will you open our eyes and our ears and our hearts that we will receive your truth, your grace, your mercy, your kindness, that we would be changed from the inside out, that we would see the love that our Father has for us, that has been manifested, as this passage says, in the Lord Jesus. And Lord, where there is lack of love, lack of faith, or lack of anything that we really need to move forward in your ways, would you supply it out of the overabundance of riches that you have cause our hearts to truly overflow? that we would grow up into Christ. And even for those of us here today or those listening who do not yet know Jesus, would you cause your grace and mercy and kindness and love to overflow to them today that today would be the day that they would come to you through Jesus, by the power of the Spirit. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want you to imagine that you're on a long car trip, and you've got miles to go, hours ahead of you before you reach your destination, and you happen to look down and you see this. What do you do? I think most of us are gonna say, of course, we fill up the tank, find the next gas station, even if it is $4 a gallon, and let's fill it up. But how many of us would just say, no, let's just keep driving, let's just keep going? I, I dare say not many of us would, but maybe there are a few. We don't want to be like, and I know this is a dated reference, so forgive me, Jackson Brown, running on empty, running on. Anybody, Jackson Brown fans? Oh, okay, got two. Awesome. That went over like a lead balloon. All right. When the tank is empty, we know we have to fill it. But I want you to hear something today that for some of us, Uh, maybe many of us, possibly even most of us, our love tanks are empty. And you know how I know they're empty? It's the way we treat other people. When we come across that difficult person, Or just people who are being difficult in the moment, we have a hard time loving them well. We all know stubborn, uncompromising people that are hard to love, prickly, easily offended people who are hard to love, critical, judgy, angry people who are hard to love. Selfish, self-centered, full-of-themselves people that are hard to love. Whiny, complaining people that are hard to love. People who have a difficult time admitting they're wrong, who are hard to love. Dishonest people, unreliable people, the list could go on and on and on of people that are hard to love, but the hard truth of living in a fallen world, is not only do we know people like that, we resemble some of those things ourselves, don't we? So today we're going to talk about how do we, as people who may have empty love tanks, how do we love people well? And that's what we're going to talk about today from this passage. And basically what this passage tells us, in a nutshell, is this. Because God has loved us richly in Christ, we can overflow with love toward God and others. That's what this passage really gets to the, gets to the bottom of it. Because God has loved us richly in Christ, we can overflow with love toward God and others. Let's start with verse 9 of chapter 4 of 1 John. He says this, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And We could spend the entire day just unpacking that passage. But I want to take just a few minutes to try to tell us the context for how to understand that amazing phrase. You need to know the storyline. Every good story has a good storyline. And we all love stories. So here's the story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything. And everything that he made, he said it was very good. In fact, when he created human beings, he said, it's very good. But then one day, sometime after creation, something not so good entered into our world. And we call that not so good something sin. If you're not familiar with the term sin... Sin is basically anything that we do, anything that we say, anything we think that goes against what God has made to be good. What God says is good, if we go against the grain of that goodness, that is sin. In fact, God created us to be good, and yet we go against the grain of how He created us. He designed us in certain ways, and we choose to go the wrong way. We choose to do things that are outside of the way God designed us to be, and that brings death. Now, maybe you're like, whoa, 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 just because something's been used not to uh, the the way that it wasn't designed to be, why would you say it brings death into it? Well, there are two reasons. One, I want to give you a story, not a story, an image, Uh, a common trope in movies, is uh, the wire dilemma. You know what I'm talking about? The wire dilemma. There's this bomb, and it has a timer on it, and it has these wires. And the, the hero of the story has to cut the right wire. And if he cuts the wrong wire, it blows up in his face. And if he cuts the right wire, the timer is stopped, and everybody cheers because we're all saved, right? That's the wire dilemma. Imagine that you invented a robot that could go into those situations, which by the way, I'm told that that's not how bombs work, but you know, that's just for free. So uh, you invent a robot to go in to see the bomb, analyze the bomb, look and see which wire it is that he needs to cut, and he always cuts the right wire, no matter what and you invent that robot, and you're saving many lives because of that. And everybody's like, wow, you're such a great person that you created this robot. But then one day, the robot goes into the bomb area and says to itself, robot self, I'm really tired of doing what my inventor created me to do. I would like to do something different today. I think I will. I think I'm gonna cut the red wire. And that's the wrong one. What's going to happen to that robot? The bomb's going to blow up in his face. That's a little bit like sin. We think we're just doing it our way. We think it's okay. We think nothing bad is going to happen, but when we sin, it blows up in our face. It may not happen right away, but ultimately it does. That's what sin does. It blows up in our face. As the scriptures call it in Romans six twenty three, the wages of sin is death. So we do sin, we get death. Because that's not the way we were designed to live. We were not designed to be sinners. We were designed to be good. And so every time we go the wrong way, we're going against the grain of the way we were created. And God has every right to say, you know what? This is a failure. (laughs) What I have created, they've gone the wrong way. Let me just start over. Let me make some new human beings that'll do what they're supposed to do. But that's not what God does, is it? Not for us. No, what we see in this passage is that in 1 John 4, 9, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world that we, those of us who have gone astray, those of us who deserve death on some way, those of us who have the bomb of sin blowing up in our face, that we might live through Him. That is the good news of what God has given to us in Christ as a verse that many of you probably already know, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Yeah, when we sin, it blows up in our face and brings death into our lives. But when we look to God, when we look to Jesus, he gives us life. That's part of how he overflows with love toward us. Even though we may deserve to be put on the junk heap, God says, no, I want to make of you something better. And then he goes on to explain this love even more in 1 John 4, 10. He says this, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Now, just stop right there for a moment. Notice, we were not the first ones to start this relationship with God. We didn't wake up one morning and you say, you know what, I'd really like to love God today. That's not the way this works. God is the one who loves us first. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, I know every one of you is an expert on what the word propitiation means. In fact, I'm sure that if we went on uh, out, you know, downtown Sumter and and we saw some people walking by and we say, hey, Can you use propitiate in a sentence correctly? Sure, everybody would know exactly what we're talking about, right? No, um, if you ask someone to use propitiate correctly in a sentence, you might as well be asking them to stand on their head and spit out wooden nickels because you're going to get the same result, right? Because we just don't use that word. And you, the person, if you ask them, what does propitiate mean, they probably look at you and they're like, what am I doing? Am I a dictionary? So, what are we talking about in this passage where he says that Jesus, that Jesus Christ, is the propitiation for those wrong things that we've done? And one of one of my frustrations—sorry, I'm, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting into like where it really, really hits me sometimes. One of my frustrations with pastors. I can be frustrated with pastors, right? Because I am one. I'm frustrated with myself often. But one of the things I'm frustrated about is when this word comes up, they usually use just biblical um, explanations, which is great if you already know the Bible. If If you know nothing about the Bible, you're probably going, okay, that still doesn't make sense to me. So let me try to give an illustration of what propitiation is in modern day terms. And, and let's I'm going to walk you through this step by step. So first, imagine that I need to mow my lawn and so I go to you and I say, may I borrow your lawnmower because I don't have one? And you say, oh sure, yeah. And I get your lawnmower and I go to my yard and I mow it and then I bring it back and I say, thank you for the lawnmower. That's it. No problems, no issues. That's wonderful, right? But what if I borrowed your lawnmower, and as I'm mowing, I break your lawnmower. And I don't mean to break it, it just happened. You know, maybe I ran over a uh, stump or something I didn't know was there, but I break your lawnmower. Now, at that point, you would be rightfully upset that your lawnmower is broken. And the right thing for me to do would be to go back to you and say, I'm sorry I broke your lawnmower. I will either fix it myself or get someone else to fix it, or I will replace your lawnmower with a new one, right? But what if, instead of asking to borrow your lawnmower, I wait until you're asleep, I break into your garage, I steal your lawnmower... And instead of mowing my lawn with it, I just put it out in your front yard and I spray it with gasoline and I light it on fire and just watch it burn. You would have every right to be angry with me. And to say justice needs to be served. Because not only did I steal your lawnmower, I violated our trust. I broke our relationship. And then I destroyed your lawnmower by setting it on fire. And it's not going to be that kind of thing where I can just smooth it over by saying, oh, no big deal, I'll just buy you a new lawnmower. That's not going to cut it. Because I have damaged more than just your stuff. What is needed is justice. What is needed is something that will not only take care of the just nature of what has happened, but also to, in some way, appease your anger. That's what propitiation is. It's something that is given that satisfies justice and satisfies the anger and does away with both. And that is why this passage is so beautiful and wonderful that we see that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. Because God is the one who is offended and we are the offenders. We are the ones who have violated His ways And justice must be served. And God is within His rights to be angry about our sin. But Jesus being the propitiation for our sins, He pays the penalty for my sin and your sin, for our crimes and your crimes, whatever we have done that is against God's goodness. He takes that upon Himself at the cross. He takes the justice and He moves the anger against our sin away from us. And then, because Jesus died, He also rose from the dead, and He gives us life, life that lasts forever, life that is right with God, life that is abundant and true and good. That is the good news of what this passage is saying. You see how much love God has poured out on us. And I want you to see this, too. This isn't the situation where we are offering something to God, oh, you know, God, I know I've hurt your feelings, so here's some flour and some candy to try to make it right. Now, that's not what we're doing. And this isn't the situation where some lawyer comes in and says, oh, I see, you know, um, God, you're a little bit upset about this, and you don't really want to go to hell, so let's try to work out a deal here. No, that's not what's happening. No, what's happening is God himself initiates Out of his love for us, even though we are going astray, even though we're doing the wrong things, God himself says, I love this person and I don't want them to continue down this route and I'm going to send my own son to take care of this situation. Nobody's twisting God's arm. Nobody's trying to get God to do the right thing. God is doing the right thing on his own. By sending His Son. And His Son willingly goes to die for our sins and rise from the dead that we would be forgiven, we would be cleansed, and we would have life. That would be enough, wouldn't it? Just knowing that I'm like a sheep that goes astray and Jesus has taken on Himself the iniquity of my sin. He's taken on Himself the punishment. He's taken on me the justice that I deserve. That would be enough to say, wow, God really loves me. And I've said this numerous times, but I'm going to keep saying it until it gets drilled into our heads. God could have stopped there. He could have said, okay, I love you enough to... Have your sins forgiven. I love you enough to wipe your slate clean, but I don't want to have anything to do with you after this. You're pardoned, but go live in that other area of the universe because I really don't want to deal with you. That's not the love of God, is it? Because God's love is so much bigger, so much more wonderful, so richer. In fact, the confession of faith that we read this morning, do you remember what it said? from 1 John chapter 3? Let's let's think about it again. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. It's not just that God wiped our slate clean and pardoned our sin. He said, I want you to be my child. I want you to be a part of my family. I want to treat you as my beloved. That would be a little bit like one of us going to a maximum security prison, finding a rough inmate who is a repeat offender, going up to that guy and saying, hey, I'm going to pay your penalty for you so you get out of jail and I want you to come and live with me as my family. I'm going to make all the meals for you. I'm going to supply room and board for you. Everything you need, I got you. You're my family now. Any takers on that? Do you see how rich the love of God is for us? It is beyond our comprehension that God would love us so much. And that is why in John, 1 John 4, 11, he says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You see the overflow principle? If God has so loved us, if God has poured out his love so abundantly on us, we also ought to love one another. I know some of you who are filling in blanks and doing an outline, you're like, dang, that was the first point. How long is this sermon going to be? I promise you, it's not much longer. We're going to go through the last part more quickly. But we need to see just how big and rich and wonderful the love of God really is if we're going to love other people well. So here's the bad part about what I'm going to say, and I've, I've been wrestling with this all week, all right? So I just want you to hear your pastor's own heart here. There are often times where I see that my love is Lacking. where my love is very meager, where my love seems very paltry, I realize that my love tank, I'm running on empty. And when I'm running on empty, I don't love well. I don't love other people well. And what this passage tells me is that if our love is lacking meager or paltry? If our love, if my love is lacking meager or paltry, it's likely our knowledge and experience and our experience of God are defective. There's a defect somewhere. There's a disconnect. How do I know that? Well, that's what the passage says. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. Why? Because love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. If you love well, it means you've been born of God. It means you know God. And then if you didn't get it from that verse, verse 8 says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. You want to know what love looks like? You look to God. The abundance of love that He has poured out on us. So I would say, if any one of us, whether we're a Christian or not, whether we're a believer or not, follower of Jesus or not, it doesn't matter if any one of us see that we're having trouble loving, there's something amiss with our relationship with God. And it would be good for us to go back to the source. If God is love, we go to Him and say, God, I need to be filled with your love once again that I my love will not be meager my love will not be paltry my love will not be lacking that my love will overflow like your love overflows to me and that leads us to an action point alright and the action point is overflow with love so how do you do that well back by popular demand oh boy It's a very manly pink, right? Um, Love. So we're just going to do this quickly. How do you overflow with love? First, look to the Spirit. Look to the Spirit. As I read the Scriptures, when I realize what is it I need to do, I need to grow in love. How am I going to grow in love? Well, the Scriptures tell me in Galatians 5.22... The fruit of the Spirit is love. Okay, so I look to the Spirit and I say, Holy Spirit, I need your fruit. <laughs> I need you to grow love in me. I see that my love is lacking. I need you. Fill me, empower me so that I will love you and love others well. Second, and I had to work on this one the O. Orbit Jesus. Orbit Jesus. Now, you know what I mean? Like the planets, they orbit the sun. They revolve around the sun. I think we have an image of that, right? So just so you can, I think we do. Yeah, there we go. See, all of those planets, there's something central. And all those planets, they revolve around it. They're orbiting what's most important in our solar system, the sun. Without the sun, we would not exist. We would not be able to live. Let me tell you, the same is true of Jesus. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. So we need to orbit Jesus. We need to get to know Jesus. We need to go to the Scriptures and, and read what it says about Jesus. And, and not just read it to check off a, a, a blank on our... Um, a reading thing. We need to say, no, I want to, I'm reading today in order to know Jesus. Okay? It's easy to check off a box and say, I read my Bible today. I'm a good Christian. No, you need to go to that Bible and you need to read it saying, I want to know Jesus. Show me Jesus. Show me how important He is. Show me the love He has for me. Show me everything that I need to know so that I can orbit Him. Because most of us want to orbit ourselves. Which is really weird if you think about it. Instead of orbiting Jesus, we were created. Sorry, instead of orbiting ourselves, we were created to orbit Jesus. So we look to the Spirit, we orbit Jesus, and then... We also have to value God and His love for us. We got to value God and His love for us. When you value something, you think about it. Right? I value my family. So I think about my family a lot. Right? There's not a day that goes by that I don't think about my family, even if they're all gone. I still think about them, pray for them, right? Because they're valuable to me. They're always on my mind. And it reminds me of of, of David in Psalm 63 when he's talking about God and he says this, and I know this might cause all of us to go, if I got to be like that, I'm just not there. That's okay. It's Okay. Just listen to how David values God. He says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. This is not someone who just has a casual relationship with God. This is someone who says, I value you, God. I value you more than anything else, even life itself. And then finally, not only do we look to the Spirit, we orbit Jesus, we value God and His love for us, but we also need to engage in loving actions by faith. Engage in loving actions by faith. When you are filled up, the purpose of you filling up is not so that you can sit at home and go, Oh, God loves me so much. God loves me so much. God loves me so much. Isn't it great that God loves me so much? Me, 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 me. You know what you've done? You've turned the love of God into your own self-centered mess. No, when you realize how much God has loved you, you are to pour out into others. And sometimes you don't feel like doing that. Sometimes you're, you're looking at another person and you're saying, this person is too difficult to love. Engage in loving actions by faith. Believe that God... He means what he says. And then from 1 John 4, 12, listen to this one more time. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Don't you want your love to be perfected by God himself? Don't you? Don't you want to be that person that overflows with love, real love? Not the mushy-gushy kind of, you know, romantic comedy love. No, I'm talking about real, sacrificial, caring for others where they are, helping them, encouraging them, building them up kind of love. And don't you want to be loved well like that by others too? You know how we get there? We love. (laughs) We look to the Spirit. We orbit Jesus. We value God and His love for us. And we engage in loving actions for one another by faith. So, all that being said, let's do something. Let's. We got a last slide? There we go. Let's grow in knowing God's love in Christ so that we will overflow in love to God and others. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. We, we admit that our love may not be what it should be. In fact, it, it probably isn't. But we want our love to be perfected. We want to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength and we want to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So it, Holy Spirit, fill us, empower us Cause us to truly orbit Jesus, cause us to really value the way that you, Father, love us, and then by faith to step out and engage in those loving actions, not trying to keep all that love for ourselves, but to overflow to others. Help us to do this, Lord Jesus, that we would be your people indeed. And we pray this in your name and for your glory. Amen. Amen.